This is a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. Um, hi, everyone. Hello. Give me a little wave so I can see you. Oh, yeah, great. Thank you. Um, if you don't know me, my name's Beth, and um, I've been at Narara for about a year and a half, um, and I've loved every second of it. Um, Tonight, I'm going to be speaking from Matthew um, about our series um, in the overflow. Um, And particularly tonight, we're going to be focusing on how do we experience God in the wilderness? How is it that we, as people of God, rely on him in the wilderness? So before I do that, I'm just going to pray for myself because I've got a little bit of the nerves. But um, yes, and then we'll get into it. Lord God, I just pray that you settle all my anxieties right now. Um, It's you that speaks through me um, and your word will speak power into our lives, God. Um, Just give me confidence as I speak from your word and speak the truth. Amen. All right. So tonight, let's backtrack a little bit. So the first thing that I wanted to mention is where are we at in the Bible? So just prior to this, Jesus is baptised. So if you haven't read this part of scripture, it's beautiful. It's very um, filled with imagery. Um, There's this beautiful moment where Jesus is baptised in the Jordan and this beautiful moment where the, the Spirit of God descends on him like a dove. And after this moment, you'd expect maybe he's having a massive party or He's about to go and tell everyone about his ministry and start, you know, going into the streets, doing ministry. But in this passage we're about to read, he actually is taken into the desert, into the wilderness with the Spirit. The Spirit actually leads him into a place of aloneness, of loneliness, of um, trust, I guess we're going to find out tonight. Somewhere where he is alone with his thoughts, with his feelings, but it's for a reason, So I hope tonight you can journey with me through this passage. Um, And yeah, I'm really keen to learn with you guys. Um, If you didn't know, I'm actually a teacher. So um, my daily job is to teach um, little four-year-olds at a preschool in Erina. And I love it. Um, Their heart and excitement for God is so rich. And um, I just love seeing their passion, yeah, for, for the gospel. And I have that opportunity So um, I hope tonight you guys can pretend you're little (laughs) four-year-olds with that much excitement and get into the Word with me. Um, And it's just, yeah, hopefully going to help us to see what it's like in the wilderness. Now, we've just seen that Jesus has been baptised and there's actually a reason for him going into the wilderness. It's not just a coincidence. The Spirit is actually telling us part of a story there's a bigger picture here that we need to look at. Now, you'd think he'd go out and do all these amazing miracles, but the first thing that we need to do is look at the scene. Now, for me, I think the next part of this story is absolutely crazy. In Matthew 4, the first part says that Jesus has actually fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Now, there's a photo that's going to come up on the screen of me as a baby. Oh, I've got to click the thing. That would help. Maybe. Don't we love technical difficulties? You know what? Love it. Okay, that is me. (laughs) Um, I love food. The first thing you need to know about me is I'm obsessed with food. 
Um, put anything in front of me, I'll probably try it. I love to eat all day, all night, love it. Now, I don't know about you guys, but 40 days of no food and... That is like my nightmare. I literally, I don't know if anyone saw me outside before, but I literally grabbed four marshmallows because I was like, oh, I'm a bit nervous. I'm going to pop some marshmallows in my mouth. So for me, 40 days and 40 nights of fasting seems like a horrible experience. I would hate it. Um, But in this time, it was an important thing. It was actually a moment of pure trusting and trusting God in that moment in the spirit. Now, at this point, Jesus has been fasting for 40 days and he is vulnerable. He is physically weak. He is mentally weak. I could not even imagine what that's like. I genuinely think that this is probably something that we would not experience. A lot of people around the world might experience this, but for me personally, in my life, I haven't experienced this. But he's about to enter a really testing time where he's in the wilderness He has no food and he's hungry. Now, I find it quite funny that in the first bit of this passage, it says, after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. I'm like, yeah. (laughs) Yes, he was hungry. (laughs) Um, But I think we need to delve a little bit more into that. And the reason he's hungry is going to come in a little bit later into why um, this is important. But the first thing I was thinking about when I read this passage was that This scene that we're picturing at the moment is a bit like a standoff. So I I reckon it's a little bit more like a Mexican standoff, you know. Yes, thank you. Yes, the the tumbleweed rolling across the ground. Um, He's about to encounter the devil in the middle of this desert, face to face, you know, the close-up on the eyes, you know, all that. And he's ready. He's ready for battle. Then the dialogue starts. He's ready, but he's weak. He's on his knees. The first thing that we're going to see tonight is that there's three ways in which Jesus is tempted. The first one that we're going to see is that Jesus is tempted in possessions and sustenance. So... The first thing that we see in um, Matthew chapter 4, also, if you want to open this up, feel free. I've got my Bible in front of me, but grab it up on your phones. It's always good to to look at the passage while we're reading it. Um, So, he's face to face with the devil. Devil's about to shoot his first shot. And he says, all right, well, I know you're hungry. And he says, well, if you're the son of God, tell these stones on the ground to turn into bread. Now, that's a fair point, right? I mean, I probably wouldn't turn them into bread necessarily. I might turn them into pizza or a Big Mac or, I don't know. Someone tell me their favourite food. Give me something. Love it. Ice cream. Yeah, love it. What else? Lasagna. Oh, yum. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) That would be nice. Um, Yeah, so the devil's like, hey, you know what? If you call yourself the son of God, go on, turn this stone into bread. Now, that's a big call. He's just actually pointed out Jesus' identity. He goes, all right, if you're who you say you are, if you are the son of God, I challenge you to turn this stone into bread. The way he thinks is that he's weak right now. 
The thing he needs right now is food, is sustenance. But it's crazy. Jesus actually then responds with scripture. He remembers his will and he remembers the will of the Father and he replies with scripture from Deuteronomy 8 verse 3 which says, Man shall not live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, that might be weird to us that he's just quoted scripture but for Jesus this was a real moment of testing. This was a moment where he has to put aside all his physical um, anguish that he's feeling, all his hunger, all his um, need and go, actually, I'm going to put all my trust in God that he can actually satisfy my flesh right now. Now, for me, I've never really been in that much um, hunger or pain before, but there was a time in my life where I was living out of home. I didn't have much money. I didn't have a lot of possessions. Um, But for me, there were needs in my life that I needed. Like, for instance, my car. My car was the way I got to work, the way that I was driving half an hour to work every day. Um, It was the way that I used for my ministry, for taking kids um, to youth camps, for um, me to get to youth, things like that. And um, there was one point in my life where I was at home and I had barely any money in my bank account. And I was like, all right, that's it. I'm going to have to sell my car. That's it. I'm done. And you know what? I had a friend of mine that I told that day and I sat down with her and I said, look, I don't know what to do. And she goes, pray about it. And I said, oh, duh, okay. Um, And then we sat down and we prayed. The next day, no joke, a letter in the mail came. And I was like, this is weird. And it was like, to um, beloved. And I was like, what What is this? No one loves me. And then I picked it up, I opened it and someone had sent me money in the mail. I'm shaking now thinking about it because I genuinely want to cry because all the time we think, oh, we need this, we need this, we need this. God is going, just trust me. I'm the one you need to trust. So I don't know what your life's like at the moment. Maybe you're actually relating to this. Maybe, you know, times are tough at the moment. Prices are going up everywhere. Maybe for you, you're going, I don't know how I'm going to pay my next bill. I don't know where my next grocery lot's going to come from. I don't know if I can pay for my next car insurance, whatever it might be. But trust in God. Now, we know Jesus could have turned that, bread in, uh, that stone into bread. He's turned water into wine. We know that he could have done that. However, throughout this whole passage, we're going to see that Jesus has a bigger picture at hand. He's not doing this for himself. He could have just done that, picked up that pizza off the ground and just started chowing down, but that wasn't his plan. That wasn't God's plan. So he said, all right, forget it. I am trusting in God and I will listen to him. The next temptation that the devil tries is that he takes him to the temple. I'm going to read a little bit for you. Um, This is the next part from verse 5. It says, Then the devil took him up to the holy city and sent him on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels um, concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not 
strike your foot against a stone. Now, that seems like a weird thing, that the devil's actually quoting scripture here. He's pulled something out of Psalm 91, and he's gone, all right, Jesus, here you go. Here's the most profound, probably, thing that he could think of. However, Jesus knows the the gospel. He knows the Bible. He knows everything about this text. And he goes, hold on a second. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Nah. Don't put God to the test. He says, for it is written, do not put the Lord, your God, to the test. Now, I don't know about you, but this sounds a bit weird, right? So he takes him to the top of this temple and he goes, all right, all right. Come on, throw yourself down, jump off. And he goes, hold on a second. Again, this is not for me. There's a bigger picture at hand here. Now, if he had jumped, that would have been a huge spectacle. It would have been something to reveal his glory then and there. And sometimes I think temptation takes us to a place of instant gratification that this is the now moment. I don't know for you, but for me, there's been moments in my life where it's like I'm easier to say yes to now and I'll just do it and I'll get the gratification now, but it may not be the best thing for me in that moment because later, it's not going to be the best moment. God knows what's better for me and I need to trust him. Now, I thought about another time when Jesus was um, kind of thinking or being tested in this way. And it's from Mark 15 where they've put Jesus on a cross. And they say, come on, get yourself off the cross. If you are who you say you are, get yourself down off the cross. Save yourself. But what did Jesus do? He actually went to the cross in that moment. He didn't think, oh, yeah, I'll just take myself off the cross. Easy. Easy, easy. But we know that that is part of a bigger picture. That if Jesus didn't die on that cross, that you and I would not have a relationship with him. Like we were singing tonight, nothing but the blood of Jesus saves us. So he took the time to think, actually, don't put God to the test because this is bigger than both of us. This is a bigger picture For people like us standing right now, way back then, he knew the plan that was going to be fulfilled. I think that's crazy. Now, I want you to think about your own life in going, what is it that I need to think about the bigger picture? What is it that I need to think about not satisfying myself now, but thinking about the bigger picture? The third temptation is the temptation of worship or dominion. Now, again, the devil took him up to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdom of the world and all its splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you just bow down and worship me. Now, I'm a sucker for movies. Again, a little hint into my life. I love movies obsessed, especially um, kids' movies. (laughs) Now, for me, when I heard this part, 
I thought of the Lion King. I don't know about you, but there's this moment where Mufasa is sitting on the edge of the cliff and he goes, all of this, all this land, everything, what is it? Everything the light touches will be yours. And Simba goes, what? All this will be mine? Cool. Now, I feel like Jesus was kind of looking out from that mountaintop going, all this will be mine. Very nice. But there's a catch. I don't know if you picked up on it, but the devil goes, by the way, you can have all of this if you bow down and worship me. There's a catch. Now, Jesus again responds with scripture. He knows what is going on. And he says, sorry, away from me, Satan. For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. He sends that temptation and he goes, oh, nah, again, I got to resist this. Now, I don't know about you, but there are moments in my life where I've gone, oh, yeah, I could have it all. I could have more money. I could have more possessions. I could have... Um, I don't know, a better relationship. I could have all the things that I need in my life, but it could be so good. Maybe you think, oh, maybe if I'm in this position at work, it'll give me more power, more say. Maybe it's the pride. Maybe it's going, oh, look at me. Look at me, what I can do, the recognition of what I can do. Maybe your idol that you're thinking about right now in your head is not actually a thing, but it's actually yourself. There's times in our life where we make ourselves the idol. We think, oh, what is it that can gratify us? What is the thing that can actually satisfy me? It may be something that you haven't even thought about or really recognised. But for me, there's been moments in my life where my pride has stood in the way of my faith. There's things that I should be putting aside to let God speak over me. So... Jesus has been tempted three times. What is it that we can actually take away from these things? Well, I've got kind of like four points. Four points of things that apply to us from this passage. So the first one I want us to see is that the devil preys on the weak. So there's a, a verse in 1 Peter chapter 5 that says, Be alert and of sober mind. For your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, that's a pretty rough image, but it's real. That when we're weak, the devil knows it. I don't know what your weakness might look like in your life, but there's moments in the wilderness that I've found things like my doubt, things like my questioning, Things where I'm physically weak, moments of sickness, of health issues. Maybe there's things where your relationships are breaking down, things where you just don't know where you're supposed to be, what job you're supposed to be in. But I just want to reassure you that there is someone in those times. The devil's going to use that moment to try and get you offside. He's going to try and stop you where you are in your weakness. Sometimes you just need to know the signs. 
maybe your trigger points, your wounds, the, the pressure points in your life that the devil can use to get you offside. When that does come up, or maybe you might be talking to someone about how you're going, maybe you're just realising now as you sit here that there's something that is really weighing on you, I want you to stop and actually pray into that. Give it over to God. Let him be the one to protect you against that foothold. Don't let the devil get the first say. The second point I want us to see tonight is that this is a battle. Now, Jesus, we know, had just been baptised, right? Now, I have had the best experience watching people get baptised in this church. It is honestly the highlight of my year. Whenever I see people in this church get baptised, it brings me so much joy. But do you know what I realise every single time I talk to someone who gets baptised? The week after is really hard, really, really hard because they've just encountered God for themselves. They've put themselves in a vulnerable position of trusting God. And that means that we need to really pray for those people when they get baptised or people who have just accepted Christ for themselves because the devil doesn't like that. He wants to get you offside straight up. And Jesus was the perfect example of this, that the Spirit puts us in times of testing so that we can grow in perseverance, that we can trust in Him. But the devil knows this. So I just want you to think, whenever you see someone get baptised or you talk with one of your friends who accepts Christ for themselves, pray for them because it's going to be rough. But in this time... We need to know our defence when we're fighting the battle. So, in the scripture that we were just reading, the devil actually uses scripture against Jesus. He pulls parts of scripture and actually tries to get him offside. But Jesus knows better. He knows the gospel. He knows the truth. He knows scripture in its context. Now, I've had a lot of experience working with children and singing little worship songs with them. And it was funny, in writing this talk, I was thinking, oh, what's a way that I get to really experience scripture? Oh, I know. Colin Buchanan. <laughs> Colin Buchanan is the best human that ever walked this earth. I love him so much. He has imprinted probably half my brain with his songs. I don't know what this space could be filled with in my brain if I didn't know Colin Buchanan's songs. But I genuinely think that he is the best because his songs are so catchy. For me, there's been moments where I'm really struggling in life when I genuinely cannot think, how am I going to fight this moment? And Colin's sitting there with his little guitar and he's like, oh, Beth, by the way, there's a song about that and it's actually scripture, so remember this. And he goes, all right, remember the word. It's funny, um, so as I was thinking about this, I thought, oh, what's a Colin Buchanan song that I know? Ah, James 4 verse 7, and it goes, submit, submit yourselves to God, resist, resist the devil, and he will flee away from you. James 4 verse 7. I don't know if anyone knows that song. <laughs> um, and they goes, hey, 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 hey. But yes, anyway, funnily enough, while I was writing this sermon, 
Colin Buchanan's going, hey, by the way, you do know a song about this. And I remember it. And you know what? The scripture is so profound in going, resist the devil by submitting yourself to God and he will flee away from you. So if we know our defense, if we know how to fight the battle in remembering scripture and remembering it well, then we will be able to fight the fight. It's really cool. There's this image in James chapter one that talks about knowing the scripture and knowing God for yourself. It's similar to like how you look in a mirror. You don't just look at yourself and then walk away and forget. I'm going to read it to you because I feel like it's really cool. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away immediately and forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. There is actually freedom in knowing scripture, but not just knowing it, but believing it, imprinting it on yourself so that you know it well. And I think that's such a really, really good thing to remember because in the times when I cannot think, God gives me scriptures. I know a lot of you might have um, done the uh, Bible study this week and one of the questions was, what are some of the times in your life where you have been able to think about scripture or some of those things that have really gotten you through? Things that can actually help you in remembering what your true identity is, in helping you remember what your true purpose is. And you know what? It gives me so much peace knowing that I can rely on something that is solid, that my foundation is found in the truth of the gospel, in the truth that God has given us in his word. Now, I've just said that this temptation battle is a fight. It's a showdown, right? We're in the wilderness, standing side by side with the devil. We're about to, I don't know, do something. (laughs) But at the same time, The devil knows that Jesus is alone. Now, for me, the times in my life where I've probably felt the most attack from the devil is when I'm alone. But for you, I want you to think, what is it that I can do in my fight? Who is it that can be by my side in that fight? Especially after the fight as well. So I don't know if you guys um, noticed, but the last verse in that chapter of chapter 4, in verse 11, it says, Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended to him. They actually came and supported him. In those times of testing, in those times of trial, in those times of fighting, you need someone on your side. You need people in your corner. I have this beautiful friend. Her name is Beck. And every single Monday for the last, I think it's five years, five years, we have texted each other. So she is my absolute 
just angel of life, she is the one who always points me to the truth. Even before this message, she actually texted me with a prayer, which just makes me so happy. Um, But she's one of the people in my life who knows everything. She knows the moments where I really struggle with temptation. She's actually shared with me some of her temptation. And we call each other, we message each other, and we be we are present in each other's lives to be there in the fight. So I don't know who it is in your life that you can turn to in those moments. Maybe it's after the fight, maybe it's after that time of testing or that time of temptation. But the thing that I love about this church is that we are the body. We're able to actually support each other in this. The last one that I'm thinking of of sharing with you is actually really profound and it's probably the thing that um, if you don't really take anything away, I really want you to think about this, is that Jesus was both divine and human. There were so many times in Jesus' life where he could just take himself off the cross, where he could turn the stone into bread. He could use his divinity to actually show people who he was But he had a bigger picture at hand. But at the same time as being divine, he was also fully human. He experienced pain. He experienced um, hunger. He experienced physical pain on the cross. And he actually knows how we feel. Jesus was both divine and human. In Hebrews 4, Hebrews 14, 4, sorry, 4, chapter 4, verse 15, there's this beautiful passage that says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to feel sympathy for our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, but yet did not sin. When you're going through that wilderness season, Maybe you're in it right now. I want you to think about the fact that Jesus, the one we were just reading about, the one that we sing to, the one that we think about, he is the one who walks with us in the wilderness because he knows how we feel. He's been there. He's been tempted in ways of identity. He's been tempted in the ways of control, of power, of worship. He's been tempted in all the ways that we ever could. But at the end of the day, he didn't give in to his sin. But if you really are in that time of wilderness, in that time of struggle, in that time of testing or tempted, I just want you to think about the fact that your saviour is your friend. He knows what you're going through. Maybe you're struggling with your identity. Maybe you're struggling with your possessions and your sustenance. Maybe you're struggling with your idols. Maybe it's you. Maybe you're the problem. Maybe you're in your own head. Maybe you're the thing that is really struggling to get yourself away from those idols. Maybe your desires are in the fleshly things, things of this earth that we know will fade. I just want to leave you with this that I want you to beware of the fight. 
Know that the one who was in this story, the one that we were reading about, Jesus has already won that fight. That he knows what every single one of us are going through, but he also knows that he paid it all on the cross. He won that battle for us. I'm just going to pray for us. Lord God, we love you. We love that you sent Jesus as a man to experience everything, everything that we could ever experience. The heartache, the hunger, the temptation, God. But Lord, we might be in that season of the wilderness right now. We might be struggling. Whatever it is, God, we just bring it before you. We lay it at your cross. We know that you are the one who washes us clean, washes us white as snow. But there's nothing that we can do but that you've already done it for us. We give you so much thanks that you are the one who takes on our sin and our shame and that you loved us enough to bridge that gap that we can be in a relationship with you. We give you all the glory. Amen. This has been a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. To continue the conversation, we invite you to join us Sundays at 9.30am and 5pm or on our website at www.nvbc.info.